So how, on God's gray earth, did this... And this... podcast where we take a close look at that one album in an artist's discography that sticks out like a sore thumb. It may be their best album, it may be their worst album, but either way, it's that one album where the artist was so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Uh, this week on the panel, we have Logan Renard, Matthew Moore. My name's Scott Livingston, and this week we have a special guest, the uh, guitar player for Pythian Whispers, a uh, writer for publications such as Birdie, and the um, creator and curator of Queen City Sounds and Arts, the best place to find out what to do in Denver, whether or not you want to make a joke about where Warren Zevon, Mr. Tom Murphy. Say hi. Hello. Did I make? I probably did make a joke about Warren Zevon. Well, when you say things to do in Denver, you almost have to do a Warren Zevon yeah. joke. But they kind of do, yeah. So this week we are going to be covering uh, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark's album Dazzle Ships. So I guess let's start with who are OMD? Who are OMD? Well, uh, these days maybe people don't know them as well, but in the 1980s you could not escape OMD on Top 40 Radio to some extent. Though people really only know them for one hit. You mention them and they mention If You Leave and thinking. Yeah. Thinking out, they had so much better work. Even they think they had so much better work than that. Well, usually people who are known for one hit do not care for the one hit they yeah, are known exactly. for. But OMD was a kind of a pioneering synth pop band. They were one of the first, like late seventies, like yeah. them and like uh, thinking Gary Newman's band. What were they called again? Uh, I forget. But they kind of came out of post punk and they had a lot of synth in it. And I don't know. Back in the days when just getting a synthesizer to work was something of a challenge and right. impressive of itself. So right. yeah, like doing your, something yeah. interesting with it was, yeah, was new. Well, and I think that sort of brings up what the difference between this album and the rest of OMD's catalog is. Is Synthesizer was sort of in a weird cusp at this period where 
half the time it was used to pretty up very commercial, very pop right. songs. And half the time it was used to confuse a small handful of very artsy, very, um, yeah, nerds, essentially. Oh, yeah. I mean, you D&D have like, yeah. players <laughs> before, you know, it was okay. Before to Stranger say, Things. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Music well, like, from the hearts of space. Yes. Right, exactly. Stuff well, like that. Like you said, you had to be a pretty big nerd to get the thing to make a sound. Well, Much less a musical or in Sometimes in you had to build with, them yourself, yeah, right? Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Like they the, were far yeah. too expensive to buy, so the only people who owned them were people who could, you know, like put the parts weld together, yeah. or solder or do something to keep the, the bits and pieces they had together. So I think that is also part of why, you know, synthesizers appealed to nerds, at least when they weren't, you know, being used on pop records was because or a yes album you know yeah. a millionaire band having yeah. access to this technology yeah once once you make enough money to be rick wakeman then you can buy one but rick wakeman you're like oh i'd like a fair light yeah. elp yeah. gets okay. a shout out here <laughs> yeah well <laughs> meanwhile you know devo is like trying to duct tape a guitar together with you know yeah. a shoebox <laughs> well yeah you know yeah spare rick, parts rick wakeman was a first call musician you know at the i'm sure he had a he had a little bank, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Still a little, yeah. He probably still Mother's does. Mother's had a Moog, like, yeah. way, like, shockingly earlier oh, yeah, than yeah, you'd yeah. think. Well, that's yeah. pretty much what you get was an ARP or a Moog, right? Yeah. yeah. Those, those were your two choices. If you have a lot of money, you'd get, like, a, a Bukla. Yeah. yeah. There you go. But you know uh, the, the awesome Wakeman story about getting his first mini Moog is that he'd bought it off of somebody used for still a small fortune in today's money. Oh, right, yeah. But the guy was like, yeah, I have this thing. It's broken, but it still kind of works. Like, you can try it out for a week. And he's like, I got it. I fell in love with the thing. It was amazing. And uh, I, you know, like, offered the guy what he was asking for it. But he was like, I got to be honest. Like, it's working fine. It does everything. He's like, well, it only plays, like, one note at a time. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, it's a monophonic synthesizer. It can only play one note at a time. And the guy was just like, well, screw that. I have no use for that. He's like, take it. And I got so more fingers. How. <laughs> what am I going to do with my other hand? Wait, don't answer that. Yeah, so that's kind of funny. So, yeah. So I guess let's sort of go into what had OMD been known for, because this is before the, the Pretty in Pink soundtrack right. when they did Dazzle Ships. They like, had, uh, they, this was their, Dazzle Ships is their fourth album, I believe. Third or fourth, a, they yeah. They had a self-titled then uh, organization, which is what Enola Gay is from. Yeah. And they might have had another one, but... Architecture, Architecture and morality, morality was the one that sold three million copies. Yeah, and wow. you know they were they were <laughs> doing pretty well. That's <laughs> pretty big deal, even for back then. Yeah. You know, and for a band, it's kind of an underground, weird synth pop band. Yeah, they went from that pretty successful toward the U.S. and they, they'd already toured the U.S. before that, yeah. but they were on uh, their way up. Yeah, they're on the way up. And Dazzle Ships came out and it sold three hundred thousand copies. Yeah, so. I remember I interviewed Andy McCluskey like a decade ago and asked him about this, and he was surprised anyone cared. Yeah. And I was like, no, this reissue came out a year before I talked to him, and I went, absolutely great album. But he, uh, he put it like, we lost 90% of our audience, and the record label doesn't like it when you lose 90% of your audience. <laughs> yeah, I did hear this, that it, that it, it crashed their career, right? Yeah, That's and it. almost crashed the label. Wow. I think. I could be wrong. It was, it certainly, yeah, was not How, good how much of it was, was due to the, I mean, how much do you think it was due to the, the sound of the, you know, the, the content of, of the record and how much was due to maybe changing musical tastes or? Yeah, or, I don't have a gauge of changing musical tastes because that was it's like. still the, pretty early on. That was on, the right? height of synth pop. Yeah, yeah. I like mean, Duran, like, Duran, Duran was still 83 pretty. Yeah, even, even, you know, like 
mainstream yeah. bands like the Cars were taken off, right? right? You know, in that and the Cars were like hitting their peak, like right after that. Yeah, yeah. You have, yeah. You have Van Halen with a ton of cheesy, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Van Halen's right. going yeah. off yeah, with like, their uh, since, right? exactly. Like that because this was 1983, yeah. and all that stuff was 84, 85. Right, right, you know? yeah. And then things started changing, but it's still, synth pop was still pretty popular, right? Yeah. Well, and like a couple years before, the first all synth pop album was a Dare by uh, Human League. And like no no organic instruments on that at all, the first one. And so it was kind of like a golden age for that. But this wasn't just a synth pop album. Like I don't know if you've heard it, but Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's we've, a bunch of we've weird. given it a listen. And yeah, it's yeah. Uh, I was gonna say, if you didn't know what OMD normally sounded like and you listened to this, you'd be surprised to think that anyone ever listened to them at all, because they <laughs> sound very yeah, cultish on that. It's it is super experimental. St- Strikingly abrasive, and I, and the thing is, that's like seventy five percent of the record, and then there's like two or three songs that are like, oh, okay, oh, that's, that's, that's there like were, a there's song. There's a couple of tunes that that seem like they would fit easily with the earlier oh, yeah. earlier right. albums. Yeah. A little more melancholic in a way, yeah. yeah. Like, but the other earlier albums are kind of melancholic too. So, yeah. hey, which uh, was oddly enough also fairly common amongst synth pop bands because yeah, they are exactly. sensitive, mopey teenagers who are you know wearing their hearts on their sleeves. So doing a a dark and, and somewhat melancholy album is not that unusual. Yeah, I think for. Somber describes Gary Newman's almost entire career. Yeah, um, I mean, there's. Yeah, it took a while for synthesizers to become yeah, fun. Gary Newman, doesn't he have Asperger's or something like yep. this? Yeah, yeah. Supposedly. He, Supposedly, he thinks that he does. He thinks that he does, okay. Or yeah, like so. he's been not, not officially diagnosed, I don't think, but. Right. I'm not going to argue with it. He probably has something at least close to it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm quoting him on that, but. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. I will, I will take his word on that. Sure. But, yeah. Well, I, I got, I, I have heard some of the other, the OMD music before, but got this completely mixed up for another band and listened to this album, not, you know, uh, knowing that it was a band that I'd heard before. And I, you know, didn't Wikipedia or anything and just listen to the album. Um, it's cool. I dug it, but I swear this was pretty contemporary. I swear, like I was listening to this and I was like, this came out in like 2008. Oh, it could this come is, out this now. is, this yeah. is some college kids who just discovered uh, uh, new order, you know, <laughs> totally. and yeah. bought a speak and spell emulator. It, it, sounds, yeah. it sounds very <laughs> contemporary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, this is, you know, a, a MacBook pro and an, you know, uh, was it the SP three Oh three or whatever. Oh, and you yeah, know, yeah. like, yeah, that's I'm like, cool. Not, none of this is surprising or would blow anyone away. Now it sounds very contemporary. And so finding out after the fact that it came out when it did, it's like, Oh, this is pretty, you know, they, uh, they're well, a little yeah. bit ahead of their time. Yeah. Wait, I thought they were way ahead of their time. Like, but they're using technology that was just kind of coming out available. Like a, a sampling keyboard that didn't really exist before the eighties, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. No. And, not uh, yeah. in any sort of reliable not, not, fashion. Not no. digitally or or any you know other than actual tape splice stuff. Exactly. Or like a, if you're like a hip hop DJ mixing tapes yeah. and like records together live. Um, but they put it. They were able to have a keyboard emulator. I forget exactly what kind it was to. Yeah. To sample things. Cool. And of course, Speak and Spell. I mean, Depeche Mode had already done it before this, but not to the same extent, I don't think, or in a different way. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's still, I mean, even today, it sounds cool. And I mean, that's the thing is, uh, you know, it did sound, I don't know, it wasn't trying to sound contemporary when it came out, so. No. 
The real question is, what were they trying to do? Because what I read is that as much as, you know, what was it, architecture and morality did pretty well for them, they were kind of disappointed it wasn't more accepted, and they thought this would be a bigger leap in the continued commercial what were they thinking? <laughs> so this wasn't a backlash. I mean, this, this wasn't done. Um, no, this was them saying we need to. We need to leap forward and do yes. something different. Yeah, I see. Yeah, this so wasn't them saying I don't care if this yeah <laughs> fails. I want to do this. This is like, oh, I'm sure the kids are going to love this, and they're right. They were just uh, way early. <laughs> oh yeah, like uh, in a more modern uh, reference to that. There was a band that came through and played Rhinoceropolis, and I wrote about them. I might have been the first or very early. Yeah, person to write about this band, like outside of the the, the East Coast, and that was a uh, Future Islands, and I compared them because to I and I didn't I'd never before I'd even seen them I just listened to them I went these guys remind me of like Dazzle Ships era OMD and they'd never heard of this yeah so they bought it after I because I met them at the show yeah. and because uh, they they're a band who has a synthesizer a drummer and a bass player and a and a vocalist but the yeah. vocalist is just a vocalist I think. Or he probably, anyway, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but they went and bought it, and their next album was like a complete meditation on this to create like what they sounded like for that album. Well, it is a very, which is odd, because apparently some of the songs are just like old B-sides left over and whatnot. <laughs> and it yeah. feels like a very complete and cohesive and coherent thought, like one right. single statement. But apparently was sort of patched together because they were out of ideas and were kind of under the gun a bit but and, and they didn't want to like repeat themselves so they uh i don't know one thing i thought i don't, I don't know if i read it in the liner notes or if they even said this but i recently read a book on library music yeah uh like the only book i know about on library music actually that came out <laughs> last year and they uh of course talked about like the english version of it and kpm i think is like one of the main library music labels or whatever yeah and like a uh, radiophonic workshop and growing up, as they did in the 50s and the 60s and 70s to some extent, they were, being from England, they were inundated by that, by hearing it all the time. And they probably delved into it, so they probably like, like learned about Delia D- uh, Derbyshire and uh, Daphne Orham and people like that, who wrote like groundbreaking electronic music, but they didn't have synthesizers, I don't think. The, well, the early 60s, yeah. later on, I was they, say, did. They, yeah, made, yeah. they were not labeled and, and all of that, all that oh, stuff yeah. was more or less done in the same place, too, right? right? The BBC. Right. Yeah, B- yeah. yeah, yeah. But those kind of sound effects, but like background music, as like an atmosphere that they could bring in. And I felt like some of these samples or the way some of the tracks were recorded felt like that, like a radio announcement during like World War II or like Dezo Ships as a reference to like a naval vessels being uh, camouflaged in World War One. Yeah, by painting them, they were too big to hide, so you'd make them so obnoxious your brain couldn't like understand them and you couldn't tell which way they were going one one of the things that they found out with that those paint schemes which i i I used to build tons and tons of model airplanes and ships and things like that and one of the reasons that was abandoned was uh while it did confuse direction and kind of blend in uh it was a uh the the sharp edges on those the the dazzle ship paint jobs were fantastic for range finders to <laughs> zero in and find <laughs> yeah not not very effective it was so good that, in yeah. theory but not in practice so yeah there's reason you don't see them much anymore but yeah. <laughs> well and that that was like when i was saying when the album didn't feel contemporary a lot of it does feel like very like hearkening back to world war ii or even world war one where yeah. they're you know radio calls from vienna and you know trying to 
Right. You know, well, like, it's, this, it's retro, retro futurist. Air raid. Maybe a yeah. Doctor Who episode here and there. Yeah. 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 I can see that. I thought it was very like uh, Soviet block uh, lounge music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, has, <laughs> it, has, it has that kind of feel too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, uh, like something from 1984. Yeah. Enjoy your, enjoy your human music and concrete. <laughs> yeah. Well, shall we dig into this track by track? What's the first song on here? Uh, Uh, Radio Prague. Speaking of radio announcements. Block. Soviet block countries. (laughs) Eat your cabbage. (laughs) Comrade. I mean, it does feel like the beginning of a, a concept album. You have fanfare, you have yeah, an yeah. announcement. This isn't a song. This is. Please stand by for an a, announcement from your glorious leader. This right. is a prelude <laughs> to something bigger. This isn't, yeah. This isn't just track one. This is. Listening no. is compulsory. <laughs> <laughs> All workers will take a mandatory 10 minute break. You will now report to room 101. And we got like, yeah, sonar. I mean, it's it is very. I mean, it was retro future back in '84, so no wonder it holds up better than like some of OMD's more attempts at. <laughs> I don't even know what language that is. I think it's Russian. Do they get they get a, a approval for that sample? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's, somebody's gonna come after him. Yes. Can't pull that, that was shit. me, you bastard. <laughs> you can't pull that shit anymore. No. <laughs> I mean, there's well, not much to say about that no, track, but lots I mean, of space it in it. But, yeah, I was gonna yeah. say lots of radio silence, as it were, and then track two is a uh, genetic engineering. Yeah, this is one of the more pop songs. Yeah, this is. Yeah. This feels more like one of the leftover B sides, and not one of the uh, minted for ones. I was really hoping this was an X-ray specs cover. Oh, yeah. I could have been inspired by that. Efficient, logical, effective, and practical. Using all resources to the best of our ability. Changing, designing, adapting our mentalities. Improving our ability for a better way of life. Is there, is there a, the theme of this song that would you describe as, as what? Genetic engineering? Yeah. I mean, lyrically, it, it's yeah. kind of, I mean, lyrically, it does sort of fit into this sort of weird retro future dystopian. Yeah. Humans aren't really anything but meat robots kind of <laughs> thought. I'm not quite sure what they're trying to say with this album. but I, I, I don't know. There's kind of a, a weird science fiction-y quality to the whole album, I would say. Yeah, and genetic engineering back then was pretty crude compared to what it would be even like six years later. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. you have common DNA and things like that. Theoretical than practical at that point. So yeah, when yeah. was the sheep cloned? Dolly, that was the '90s sometime. Yeah. yeah, so a it, long way from CRISPR. Yeah, no doubt. Well, like you said, this is probably for those who have not heard the album. This is probably not what the rest of the album is going to sound like. I mean, oh, no. You have oases of this, but this is not where you're going to be residing most of the time. So, and no. I mean, I think that that's good because if it were 
if it didn't have these little like interludes or breaks, it could be, I mean, it's, it's, this is a hard album to get into as it is, but yeah. I was pretty unfamiliar with OMD before doing this. And so I listened to, um, you know, I, I got their, their best of and listened to a bunch of that. When I heard this, I was like, Oh, I don't, this is going to fit right in. This isn't, yeah, an yeah. outlier at all. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. but you know, things do change. Yes. Well, shall we go on to one of the... And, I mean, uh, Andy told me that uh, after they did this album, they felt like they went ahead and tried to do way more commercial stuff, and they did. Yeah, but and it worked out for them. I think, yeah, I think they were discouraged from continuing with exploring, and they didn't do that for another couple of decades. Yeah, well, when you get smacked down by losing yeah. 90% of your audience, it can be a little... Oh discouraging it'll but, make you think twice when you were like we're pop stars oh well, guess not yeah well and the record company may be a little less lenient on your next experimental album after you've done right. something like this and, but and their newer albums re- reflect like where they kind of picked up where that left off yeah well and i now that they've sort of gained the respect somewhat retroactively over the years they can they can go back to it but yeah at the time it was it certainly was a not typical of what came right before or right after. No. Like right after was Pacific Age. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, right <laughs> after they're like, we got to get on the pretty and pink or, soundtrack. Or, yeah, yeah. We need more cherry pie. There you go. She's my cherry pie. Oh, my God. So this next track is uh, ABC Auto Industry. ABC. Kind of pop, but a weird yeah. pop song. I was going to say, it, it's, it's halfway between catchy and off-putting. So. Yeah, like, around this time also, you remember that movie 1984? Yeah. With John Hurt, not the... Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, I remember that film. Uh, that soundtrack was done entirely by uh, another popular synth-pop band, The Rhythmics, of course. Yeah. And that album is their best album, but it's also super weird like this. Yeah. Well, it's a lot easier to get away with being weird when you're on a soundtrack. Oh, yeah, especially got, for 1984. Yeah. I'm just picturing the Apple ad from the Super Bowl. Uh, oh, right, right, yeah. The woman with the giant hammer. Right. <laughs> the Bob's Burgers parody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a super complicated song. song. I mean, no. really, the only instrument is the timpani, or faux timpani. It's probably a real timpani. And variously speeded up or slowed down looped vocals yeah take that Jay Dilla yeah right I kind of I, I wish I could talk to Leibach again and ask them if they listen to this oh wow I could see some Leibach some in here. similar aesthetics there yeah yeah the sort of I'm, I'm just impressed just hearing that name I'm uh, Leibach yeah Leibach <laughs> life but, uh, is life right. <laughs> it's like a, yeah I, I, like a, I got this Leibach album it's called V Persone or something. Uh, okay. It's like the five persons or something like that. I remember listening to that. Like this is, it's not so weird now, but that was the strangest stuff I think I ever oh. heard. Yeah. It's like, like when it came out, I was like, where is this coming from? Right. Exactly. Yugoslavia. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
But and, yeah, right. <laughs> and they were like, they were, uh, I think they, I believe they told me they lived with Zizek for a while. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Oh, that's, so, like, that's interesting. It's an interesting connection they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, all comes around. Yeah. But some of their drums on like uh, Life is Life and whatever, or I'm sorry, I'm doing the English version of that, but it has like a kind of weird timpani quality to that too. Yeah. Right, right, right. Huh, I wonder if they were. Could be. Yeah, it's a cool song. We're, it's more of an interlude. It's only two minutes long, yeah. so you can't really like dance to it or sing along to it. But you know, <laughs> it, it it's more in line with the first track. And it's, and it's almost you know, in in the round kind of. Yeah, it, thing yeah. Going it'd be on. the kind right. of thing that yeah, around a campfire, if you had talented at counting but not really singing kids, <laughs> you could teach them to do. Oh, that, 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 that might even have been one of the inspirations behind that too. So. Could be, yeah, because I mean, ABC, the the just the lyrics is very sort of childlike. So I'm not quite sure how the auto industry works in that, other than the robotics. But <laughs> yeah. well, shall we go on to another actual song? Song. I think this was the the single off the album, or one of the. This is the this is Telegraph, right? Yes. Yeah, Telegraph is the only song from this album that appears on the best of CD that I. Oh wow! Because like two of the later songs are better than Telegraph. No, oh. but Telegraph's good. It's it's not their best songs; it's their greatest hits. It's yeah, there's yeah. a difference. <laughs> like it was a hit somehow, like the only hit off of this album. It's about telegraphs, which is, you know, even in 83, a fairly antiquated technology. So that's one way to make your stuff last through time is to already make it antiquated when you start. Is this like, it's got the pulsing eighth note bass line, very 80s. This is like uh, kind of a like steampunky take on uh, synth stuff. It's it's like the future, but, you know, with Zeppelins. It's like Wild Wild West of synth pop. Yeah, giant, giant metal crab. <laughs> A lot of goggles being worn. Yeah. <clears throat> God, where'd you get those cool goggles from? <laughs> Dr. Parnassus's Wonder <laughs> Emporium. <laughs> so who, who does most of the singing? You know? oh, only one person that's Andy McCluskey, I believe. There might be some other vocalist they brought in, but he's the main guy. Yeah. And most of the songs are written with by Andy and uh, Paul Humphreys, I think right. yep. is his name. Yep. So, but yeah, that's that's another more standard song, and it it's telling that they sort of front loaded the album with the more <laughs> accessible material. Because yeah, well, that's what's what makes me wonder is how it how it well, it still sold three hundred thousand copies, right? You yeah. Know, which is which is actually pretty good. Well, by today's standards, that's oh my god! I was going to say it's phenomenal. more than I've but, sold. But if you but if you lost ninety um, percent like of your audience on Spotify, <laughs> I mean that's I'm just kind of I'm still kind of shocked, you know, yeah. that that it would have fallen that that far. Yeah, if you like yeah. the last album, why would you hate this album so much? What is Particularly it? if you never because they it. they don't really recover, right? They don't recover until no, not, well, they recover, but not artistically, yeah, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, and they, I think they admit that too. Yeah. But like uh, commercially, they definitely went way beyond it at a, a, an album or two later. Okay, yeah. 
Well, yeah, that, this is kind of a dancey song. It seems like this would be a single or something like that. And a lot of that w- albums that we've discussed for this podcast have a bunch of singles right up front. And, and again, you know, these date back to being, uh, rec- you know, recorded knowing that they're going to be pressed on vinyl and with the limitations of, of that. And, uh, um, so you get all the, you know, the Ringo songs on the, on the end of the, Side. you know, <laughs> b- between the singles and the label. And so it's, it's funny that this one, drops that stuff right at the top. And I, I like, I wonder if like people were just like, well, enough of that shit. <laughs> it's too weird, which is weird. Cause it's, you know, we don't really listen to stuff the same way anymore. You click around and find the song that you like and uh, then your phone. Point, yeah. So I, I wonder if order or anything like that, like this seems like a mix up of, you know, they, they put the, the random length, seemingly random length, uh, mood music at the top. And then the regular songs, like after a little bit of that, so, I don't know. Could be. Like, I have to think they put a lot of thought into the track order. Oh, it flows like, beautifully. Like conceptually. Yeah. Just, I mean, you couldn't put Radio Prague anywhere but track one. Right. As I, you know, as I listen to most stuff now on my phone, um, while I'm, you know, riding my bike or at work or something, I, uh, um, when my phone usually, you know, if I listen through the last track, it'll usually start the album again. And uh, I, I really enjoy, uh, you know, albums that are, cohesive like that i realized that when they're originally recorded and released they were on vinyl and so it would not be quite as smooth a transition but i i yeah. like an album that flows from the last sound of the thing into the first track like they're made to be Put listened to like of- that and this definitely has that going on yeah on a cassette with the auto flip yeah <laughs> in your car yeah. those were the days i there's a couple albums that i listened to like eight nine times in a row just because i was <laughs> too lazy to press the eject button and wait find a minute haven't else. i heard the yeah did you, ever, did you ever have a friend that had had the cassette deck where it didn't have auto reverse that the it was mechanical the cassette tape yeah. would actually come out and then turn oh, around yeah. and then i never out. saw that that looks yeah, that was fancy crazy. Yeah, that sounds I, I, pretty I was, not too distant future it was it was uh it was impressive but i always thought those things would probably break pretty wow. quickly oh, i yeah. would imagine they so. there's did. a reason why <laughs> the, you don't see a lot of them welcome to the 1980s yeah <laughs> Well, shall we move on? What's the next track we got? This is Helena. I hope you will enjoy it. This is one of the bands, um, you know, that like others we've talked about before. Where if this was what I heard first, I would be like, "This is awesome!" Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, more of that. Right, it, right. My personal favorite record of this, which but, might yeah. mean that my taste. I'll never sell a lot of records. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, we could have told you that, Matt. Yeah. Frankly, no one's going to sell a lot of records anymore. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. We've, well, we've yeah. all that's missed that boat. So. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it's just, you know, it, yeah, it's, there's there's something going on here. Like you said, they're pushing things forward, at least in some in some respects. Yeah, because like, you know. yeah, they were, uh, but, uh, yeah. 
Because they were trying stuff that they didn't didn't even do on the earlier record at all. But I agree with you too, Scott. It's like that one is like it's it's like okay, here it is. It's gonna be right 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 in your face, right? It's yeah. like um, but like they might be giants would be doing the same thing in about five, ten years and yeah. and you know, not making huge hits out of it immediately, but yeah, it'd be a little more acceptable. Yeah, like like when like Flood or whatever that yeah. Album. yeah. I wonder if they were OMD fans. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. You know, yeah, they love those sort of yeah. DIY synthesizer shit. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah. And they were weird over quarter guys who like released songs on their t- on their uh, yeah. answering machine. Right? Their answer yeah, uh, yeah. one of the, In the 80s. dial a song. So yeah. one of the the, the, the funny they might be giants things with the answering with the dial a song is that the old school analog e uh, answering machines were set up so that when it there was a sound detector and when it no longer detected sound for a, a, an amount of time, it would play the beep and start recording. And so a lot of those songs they had to deliberately uh, compose so that there wouldn't there would be a you know if there was dead air in it it had to be exactly right. not long enough to yeah. get right. the right. answering machine. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I always really liked that 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 contributed to some of their more quirky. Uh, totally, yeah. Uh, songwriting. No, that was cool, and I, I really liked on the the first uh, like uh, sampled sound that you hear coming in is um, the the thing that changes pitch. It changes it modulate is with a it, it's it sounds like it's a tape speed slow down, um, and that's sampled over and over. I don't think they performed it live, but it's a sample, so it's kind of it's like a, you know ghetto mellotron uh, right, kind of yeah. thing, which is neat, which is a really cool. Anybody who's ever done that with their, uh, um, what's the, what was the Casio, uh, sampler? SK1. An SK1 and a, and a, and a Tascam four track knows that sound. Yeah. That's like, it haunts their dreams. That's like some boards of Canada knowledge there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a fairly short song, almost two minutes, which, you know, again, if you're going to be that deliberately off-putting, you don't want to put out a six to eight-minute song. You know, the, this is yeah, just no. enough of that. You got to be careful because you know we could have another metal machine music on our hands. If oh we yeah, don't watch out. So, I've has fun. anyone done that in your series? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay. I it assume was, uh, so. Like, it was that was a challenge. I mean, finding stuff to say about that album. You've read what he's what Lou Reed said about it, right? Yeah, that's uh, like Lou Reed. You're uh, maybe he's not full of it, but. It's hard to tell how sincere he was, right. but you know, you know, he was sticking to that story. And I'm like, well, okay. I, I think he I eventually that. learned to believe his own bullshit, which I find <laughs> somewhat impressive. Yeah, but, you know, uh, yeah, I find this less disturbing. Yeah, I mean, this is this is oh, yeah, easier this is like... to, to yeah, <laughs> digest by several, yeah, orders of magnitude. Yeah. Well, since this is a British band, shall we go international? Have you seen that uh, Joe Stormer movie, uh, The Future is Unwritten? Yeah, yeah. And he, they have a bunch of radio broadcasts that he's imitating yeah. throughout that, and it sounds a lot like that. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. When did Sandinista come out? Was that 81? 80, 82, maybe? Yeah. Somewhere in the early 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. around there. Nicaragua was in the news a lot. Yeah, well, yeah. it was the, t- the time to be, a, um, yeah. 
Nicaraguan. <laughs> like a it's a very nice, pretty melody. If it were played just like, you know, on a piano by itself with some, you know, Adele-like singer, it would have been, you know, some sort of wedding standard or something. I yeah. don't know, but you add this, you know, Nicaragua stuff on top of it, and this definitely a drum machine going on. Kate Middleton and, who is it, Prince Henry, Harry? Yep. Harvey, yeah, right, <laughs> dancing around, you know, one, Buckingham two, Palace. One, I wish there was a Prince two, Harvey. <laughs> Someday. He's a big rabbit. Prince Harvey right. in a can. <laughs> As a typical American, I'm not particularly fond of um, royalty, but... No. Yeah. But neither are a lot of British people. <laughs> I mean, some of them... Yeah, no, good point, yeah. 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 Most Americans aren't that fond of the Kardashians either, but, you know, we can't well, get rid of them either. <laughs> Are you saying I'm not an American? Uh, <laughs> like, uh, I recently started giving feedback to people on songs. Yeah. And I'll get sent something where like it doesn't stand alone. Yeah. It has to be part of something else. Yeah. And so like for me to give feedback on this, I, I would say it doesn't work on its own. Like I can see it work. It's a good song. It's a good bridge but, between two other. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it, but I see it in a bigger context, and I don't yeah. know what the other context is. And I, and I feel like that song is kind of like that, too. Yeah. Well, and I think that's something we've lost as we've gone away from listening to albums as a whole to right. you know, putting playlists on shuffle at random. I mean, because there are songs that, like Wild Honey Pie on the White Album, that by itself, dumb as dirt. But, you know, as part of a larger experience... Right. Kind of essential, almost. And, yeah, yeah. You know, you don't discover those unless but, you have to force yourself to listen to the whole album mm-hmm. back to front. So. If, if not on here, if you put this on a playlist, what would surround it? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say what? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, Other waltzes. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice like reset, yeah. kind of. Yeah, it brings the temp. Like mm. this, this album flows like really well on a on a sort of uh, uh, mood. Yeah, certainly With, better than a lot of albums we've covered. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's some you know, it's, it flows it. better than uh, Metal Machine music does. You know, that one's <laughs> yeah. a little Number all over two should have come up first, That's right. and then yeah. <laughs> should have ended with one. I'm a hardcore side three fan. I, the rest of it just kind of sounds like shit. But uh, <laughs> no, it's a, they, they do a really good job at uh, like kind of bringing you up a little bit and bringing you down and doing something kind of wacky and then kind of like, you know... Uh, you know, uh, uh, resetting everything for something different, and 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 they do it with a uh, kind of a, a subtle hand, which is cool. I, I, it's interesting you say that because I feel like they do that on their other their other albums as well. Yeah. Uh, except they don't have as much of this weird stuff in between, like Architecture and Morality. Like, I listen to that and I go, "This is a really weird album for a pop album that sold three million records," because there's not like an obvious hit on there. I don't think. Like, yeah. what Joan of Arc? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> that was the biggest hit, but yeah. I, I find it interesting that they, they recorded this thinking that this was going to be bigger. Commercial, yeah. yeah. You yeah. would you would listen to this and think, oh, they recorded this not caring if they sold one or not because they had an artistic vision. But then again, you know, if, if you're thinking, if they're, if they're just doing what they do, yeah. and their last one sold three million, it would be like, well, let's keep, let's keep yeah. moving forward. Yeah, we're obviously yeah. on the right track. Right. Let's like, amp this up a bit. Creatively, that's the right impulse, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. Like, Commercially, it is the wrong impulse. Yeah, as like, at least it was in March of '83. Right. Like later on, you could have like Radiohead, who kept getting weirder until a certain point, yeah, and, and they kept selling fade. more records. Yeah. You know? Well, 
Who knows? Again, yeah. there's. I never bought one, but well. <laughs> <laughs> People keep telling me Radioheads. That's my only comment. (laughs) Shall we move on to the next track? Dazzle Ships, the the title track, only parts (laughs) two, three, and seven. On, we're gonna yeah. go underwater. It is very nautical. It is very yeah. submarine-y. Again, you couldn't listen to this by itself, though. Scott, where'd you get that stripy shirt and that nice cap of yours? <laughs> ahoy! <laughs> ahoy, hoy! <laughs> yeah, like, if you're DJing like a, a club, you wouldn't put this on. No. Or uh, you would, but just to make people go underwater. Yeah. Yet get out. The bar's closed. Right. <laughs> saying blue <laughs> blue yeah this feels like one of the more very early experimental they might be giants you know, trying to like, see how a four track uh, works moments like incidental music in a yeah like film a, or something exactly yeah. hunt for red october if it were made yeah 83 it reminds me of like uh i used to have these books of like black and white clip art that you use for stuff you make them Xerox punk flyers and things or uh, you know just to, as a drawing reference or something and this sonically kind of reminds me of if somebody had the you know with synthesizers or samplers or something the equivalent of a, a big book a thousand page book of clip art in a Xerox machine and they made a yeah it is sort of know, a, made collage, a story yeah, audio right. collage yeah. I mean not as over done as say revolution nine because you can hear each piece <laughs> by itself but it is should have had george martin in, in yeah. on this right to or produce. yoko yeah oh yeah either one would work either one yeah yeah uh, i don't know like uh the artwork is the art- peter saville right and he uh i'm trying to think of the art movement he was kind of inspired by but uh constructivist i don't know yeah. But he's the same guy that did the cover art for all the Joy Division albums. Yeah. And like a New Order stuff, mm-hmm. too. Was big at the time. Well, is this the next song? Have we moved on? <laughs> it is. Okay, so that was The Romance of the Telescope. So we've got Telegraph and Telescope. This one's another one of the more song songs, which after, you know, Dazzle Ships parts 2, 3, and 7, you need... <laughs> You're going to need something a little... Maybe ease you into, like... Uh, get you back, or you're yeah. going to fall off the train. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, it's yeah. it's a sad day. It's, yeah, you can, not, not um, only did yeah. Tower Records close, now iTunes is closing. You cannot not that, buy not music. That, yeah, exactly. Not that iTunes, you know, was great software or anything, but but, no. but I do know that 
Apple streaming is the devil itself, yeah, at no. least what it's done to my computer. And um, uh, yeah. they're basically just trying to make it so you can't own music anymore. It's right. very um, yeah. disturbing. So you can't even get the metadata. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a resist. That's yeah. why I hate Spotify. <laughs> yeah. But if you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, be sure to we rate, review, that. and subscribe. <laughs> I mean, I'll totally use Spotify, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. It's I, it, you use it, but you don't like it. Like, no, it, I don't. That's because sort of been my the way. Too. Yeah. Well, you're welcome for my thousands of dollars, you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I blame. I blame Steve Jobs for getting pancreatic cancer. Yeah, turtleneck yeah. guy, dummy. That guy should have spent some more time figuring out how to, you know, cure cancer, or I don't know, some be a head in a jar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) What are you talking about? Isn't uh, Apple run by Tim Apple? Yeah. Oh right. Steve Jobs runs the Jobs, right? That's why the economy is not booming, is because Steve Jobs is no longer making Jobs. Right. Well, so (laughs) (laughs) so Romance of the Telescope. It is a Song, song. Uh, it, I don't know, like that. I don't know why this occurred to me, but like, I, there's some aesthetic of like the science fiction writer Stanislav Lem. Yeah, like yeah. his the kind of mood of that his fiction. Yeah, that's sort of yeah, early yeah. '80s Soviet kind of. Right. Put put this on while you're propaganda. reading the Siberiad. Right. Yeah. Or like a Tarkovsky or something like that. This is less dark than yeah. Tarkovsky, but I mean this you this is clearly not American. This is very European music. And I mean it doesn't even feel English. It feels very, no, very like, like central to continental. Yeah, right, continental, yeah. shall we say. Very not Teutonic maybe, but close. Yeah. Slavic. A lot of time in like, yeah. The Czech Republic and Slovenia and Slovakia. East Germany. Yeah. <laughs> Berlin. Balkan. There you go. Albanians. Damn Albanians. <laughs> I noticed that their song songs tend to be more uh, like slow this. ballads rather than dance oh, yeah. tracks. Like Silent Running, yeah. which is uh, a name of a science fiction movie from the 70s, of course. Well, let's check out this Silent Running. This is like their post-punk thing, and, and the next song too. Yeah. So you know, there's there's actually Hook, not as star. many <laughs> weird songs as as I was initially remembering. I mean, this is another like song song, and it's maybe more fifty-fifty between you know totally abstract sound yeah. collages and you know stuff you could put on the radio, assuming you were a mopey teen in the '80s. It's definitely in a montage of some movie from the my childhood. It's, it sounds like it could be. Yeah. 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 Or, you know, one of those deep cuts they use in the Americans TV show, if you ever watched that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, that show made me think of Yaz for the first time in a long time. <laughs> oh, Yaz. I've got to dig out some Yaz. Uh, who's the guy that was in Yaz? Like, there's Alison Moyer, and I can't remember. Uh, Is yeah. It Andy gonna... Clark? No. Vince Clark. There you go. Because Vince Clark was in uh, Depeche Mode originally. And like did all that weird noise stuff, and then Yaz, and then of course uh, Erasure. But yeah, hmm. 
And it does sort of feel of that type. Yeah. I mean, it's not Yaz, but it's Yazzy. Yazoo. Uh, like Fad Gadget or somebody like that. Yeah. Which, you know, was about this time. So I, yeah. I again, There's don't know overlap. why this was yeah. such a... I guess OMD fans just weren't ready for this. Not the, yeah. They, they should have had like an in-between album to sort of get people into the mood and then dab, dab <laughs> well, and this, this theme has come up in previous podcasts as well, at least, at least for me. And I think, I think it could be that, that what people glam onto might not be what you do yeah, or what you think you're doing. Yeah. You know, so, so it could be that, that, um, they, they thought that people love them for a reason X and they really love them for reason know, why. Reason why, right? Yeah. And, and they and, doubled and, down on X, and yeah, and it's and it's who know you know. And how would you know, really? Or yeah. does, perhaps focus groups. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps there's just a big problem where art meets commerce. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's right, right. Musicians, artists, yeah. creative people. Yeah. It was just that just want to make the shit that they feel compelled to make and. Whether or not people want to buy it in mass, is, like a, is another. A, whether it's whether yeah. it be a product is, is, is or a not, a bit yeah. of uh, dumb luck. Like a, an example of uh, not commercial failure, when the band said we're going to do something different was U two, which people can think whatever they want. Yeah, they put out like uh, the Joshua Tree was their last. What are that first phase that people in my generation yeah. or whatever totally loved it, or people older than me. Yeah. And then uh, Octune Baby, which I initially hated. But now it's my favorite album by them because it's so weird, but you don't know that it's weird unless you're delving into it because Brian Eno was fully on board then. Yeah. He was already he was already producing on Joshua Tree. But for that record, he's like, guys, and even they were like, we want to do something that we Different. haven't really done before. Yeah. Well, it it that's the thing with experiments is some experiments succeed and some experiments fail and yeah. hopefully well, they, you they, learn from them. They had an awful lot of cachet by then. Yeah. It well. helps to have, yeah. I think OMD maybe but should have waited for a couple of more hits before they tried their Dazzle ships. It's interesting you say that too because um, sort of what I was getting at is like, like with U2, those those first three albums, I was like, wow, that you know, I, I really dig this band. And the Joshua Tree came out, and I was like, I don't like this at all. <laughs> I, I really thought they yeah. they went off into a terrible commercial direction. And then most of the criticism that 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 of that album was how far they've come and how much better they are and how you know, which 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 led me to believe is like, okay, we were listening to different things. Whatever yeah, you, you are into, the, Y, yeah, they're yeah, all into exactly. X. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, like that's a weird album. Like that album splits me in the middle. Yeah, because there's some some of their best songs are on there and some of their like i don't like it well, it, it could be there. one of those things too just the social milieu of the time yeah. you know probably the, the other people who like that album right. uh, rubbed you the wrong way exactly <laughs> i can <laughs> understand that completely matt you can you can drop this out of here if you if you if, <laughs> you, if you want to but uh you know um but I, I would really like to do uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers' uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic on yeah. this because uh, yeah. I think it's the one, like, it's as a, a detour. It's a, it's, as a detour because it derailed their career for like 25 or 30 years. Like, it's uh. like they've been trying to make it's fine, but it's the one that got them to change course and never return for the rest of their freaking career. And it's kind of fascinating well, they, that yeah, way. That's it's true. Like, They've sold a lot of records, though, they, since they, then. They have, oh, but yeah. I mean, so is you too. I mean, even if they're you know, declining or, or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah. but that's, that's a hard turn they made and they fully committed. And it's like baffling yeah. to me how they committed. So here's a, here's a total, well, total you get paid that much. I will commit to that left turn as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's Tom, true. I'm yeah. wondering if you, this is a side yeah. comment, but, but um, uh, I wonder if you, you know, 
having interviewed a lot of bands and the like, if you've ever experienced before, I remember when that particular album came out, um, uh, you know, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, a friend of mine worked at a music store and he had an advanced copy of it before, oh, okay. and it was before it was mastered. Yeah. I thought it, it sounded just fantastic. Yeah. And then, and then when they, uh, you know, they released it on CD and stuff, everything got kind of like polished and it, it just wasn't, it didn't sound as good well, it got for whatever that, reason. It's just Ruben's thing, you know, works for Slayer, but maybe not for everything that he touches. Yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> that's, right. that's, it could be, but, 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 you know, I wonder, I wonder how much, uh, well, you know, and that's neither here nor there, but I just wonder how much stuff gets kind of, you know, lost, lost from the studio to the consumer product, you know? Yeah. A lot of that, uh, I guess bands, they don't complain about it, generally speaking, especially if it's paying off. Yeah, exactly. Cause I, or like, you know, I go, well, this is a reality of recording, uh, like, uh, some tracks I get sent to, to listen to now. Uh, like oh the ma- I don't I can't say this because it's already mastered I guess but it's like your mastering sucks yeah. yeah and it sounds like your singer is punching me in the face the whole time and the instruments are kind of in the low in the mix and that may not be the band's decision like maybe the original raw recording has it pretty balanced out because they practice and they listen to each other yeah and sometimes uh, a producer or, or the record label will be like well our research shows that. Yeah. People prefer to hear this element, so we're going to enhance that. As we well, isn't it in- further interesting now? You know, it's just the the Chili Peppers thing came out at the height of like, you know, FM radio stuff. So oh, yeah, we're yeah. we're we're kicking off the loudness wars for sure when that's being done. And nowadays, it's like so you know they're probably mixing for shitty computer speakers and earbuds, right? Yeah. As as much as anything out, that's where it's going to be heard. And so there's got to be a whole nother template, a whole nother formula for that. If you're trying to keep up with the the, the mastering doctrines. trends yeah. of the of and, the day, and that could be it. Maybe I'm not listening on head, the right earbuds. Yeah, you know? yeah. But like, if you have a good mastering job, it'll sound good in your earbuds and on a speaker. Yeah, it should. Absolutely, yeah. it should theoretically. That's, like, that's a good mastering job. Yep. Yeah, an okay mastering job. Mm. <laughs> the mastering job you can afford is you know yeah. mastering's not that expensive unless no. you need unless you need like a a big big time big name associated with it in which case that's what you're paying yeah well. 90% of your money for you can get good mastering done for pretty reasonable yeah. money. Well, and mastering is all about what's the format yeah, yeah. is yeah. it going to be played on the radio yeah, absolutely over radio waves even yeah. and sometimes the album like uh, a lot of bands should know this like your record it's going to be whatever it is people are going to listen to it whenever they want however yeah. they want but your live thing may be totally different. Like, there's a band in the 90s who you've all heard of, I'm sure. If not, that's okay. Tonic was like a, a late-era quasi-alternative rock band. Not quasi, they were an alternative rock band. Uh, I hated hearing their record on the radio. Uh, if you could, uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I saw them live because I went to go see some other band, and they were phenomenal. Like, they were like, I was like, you guys should put this on your record. But it doesn't always work out that way. So, yeah. and like, OMD, like, you hear these songs like this, but live, like Andy McCluskey's like punk rock. You know, he's super energetic on stage. That's so it's one a of the element. one of the, the the transitions from Joy Division to New Order that really bummed me out was the kind of smoothing <laughs> out of 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 that. And you know, I like that this is actually like maybe a little bit more not aggressive than the New Order, but it has a little bit more yeah warts and all kind of stuff that they totally would have smoothed out had it been on a, a you know new order record so oh yeah well shall we listen to uh, radio waves 
This song picks up pretty quick, though. Yeah. It's more like... It doesn't feel of its time, even though it is very sort of cutting edge, because it's so... It's like 50 robot voice noises. Yeah. Forbidden Planet. Yeah. Right, right. Carlos kind of... And then it rocks. And yeah, and then this is, yeah, the most danceable song on the album by a margin once you get through the first minute, minute and a half. Um, P bass or jazz bass? It depends. Yeah, like I'll I'll take a P bass any day, but a jazz bass is perfect for so many things. That no, I, I mean this this say. guy. Oh, playing right now? Yeah. Or what's what's he what's he known for? I think P bass. P bass. Yeah. I think I, I, I asked him about that. I, I believe either. Yeah, dig the dig the rock and roll, pick bass. Fendry sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely playing a P-Bass. Yeah. Well, and it's good to have something a little more upbeat before the album clicks off, because it can, it can leave less of an impression if you don't have at least one sort yeah. of punch somewhere in the album. And if you only got one punch, you either got to put it right up front or right towards the back, and I think towards the back was the right decision. Yeah, you know, if you only have a couple of good tricks, you know, you want to... Do those first, right? Okay. So yeah. That- <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to. But in this case, you know that they had the the whole album in mind, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And the, the fact that they put you know the minute and a half of weird robot choir dial up noises before this, <laughs> instead of <laughs> making <laughs> this <laughs> the big <laughs> pop hit single, says something too. I think. Well, a good DJ could drop the needle. Yeah, at I'm the sure. Right spot, but. Yeah. I th- I'm s- Maybe that was too much effort su- for them. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure if the album had done better, there would have been a radio edit single of this. But, oh, yeah. You know. Alas. Radio edit of Radio Waves. Well, let's see. Is this the second to last track? The penultimate track. Penultimate Time Zones, which um, is in French, maybe? <laughs> I used to say I could speak French. Yeah. Who's gonna know except for other people who Some, do? Somebody, somebody who spoke French called you out on I it. I say, je ne parle pas français, je suis américain. Oui. That's, that's legit. <laughs> this is not a song. This is another one of the more esoteric interludes, but, you know. Again, they keep it short, under two minutes, which is kind of appreciated. Hence yeah. yeah. the name. Do you remember the number for time of day? No. I know Boy, it's been, been a while. Could call, yeah. But I haven't been called it in a while. I used to know the number to call like all the, the dams and spillways around my hometown because I was a kayaker. Get Where is your hometown? A, ro- a robotic uh, uh, voice telling you what the river, the level of the river was he's at. A, he's from D.C. Yeah. Oh, D.C.? So, so there's a, yeah, there's a, yeah, you could call this number. It was, or calling the weather. There you go. It was either a pre-recorded At thing the or tone, the time robot Like the such and such ga- damn gauge is at blah, blah, blah as of such time. Yep. 
Ah, the pre-internet. Fire up the clam boil. We were fine. (laughs) If the surfing was good, then we'd ride out on our woody and... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Catch a wave. Safari USA. Of all the things we've made. Time zones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, shall we dig into the last track of all the things we made? piano on here i think that's the first like piano it's kind of odd that you know we're getting some organic instruments here at the very very last uh, i mean it still sounds manipulated enough that it fits in with the album but holy sh- did andrew wk steal that for his <laughs> his piano album <laughs> exactly no because there is no andrew wk what are you talking about he does not exist that guy's a weirdo. He's done all kinds of bizarre music that's not just his popular shit, too. Yeah. yeah. Like the piano record yeah. you're talking about. I mean, once you get past the seasick sound, it's kind of a nice a good outro. dirge yeah. melody. But yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, that I think, is the, the, the main joy you get out of this album is listening to it and trying to figure out how did they get there? Particularly, you know, using 1983 technology, because today you have everything to make this album in your phone. But is there any story behind the the name orchestral? I think the, uh, in the dark. Oh, the name! I don't know. Oh, the name of the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the name of the band. I don't remember. There probably is because I feel like a lot of stuff is very intentional, if not overthought, with this band. Yeah. On the cusp of pretentious, but yeah, I know. I think it was the the graphic designer who came up with the cover, who's like, "You guys ought to see these dazzle ships. These are pretty cool." And they're like, "Oh, that's a good name for the album." But even like their first album has like this kind of stylized artwork on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just thinking if maybe their their aesthetic was to you know take you know um, orchestral music. There's all different kinds, right? yeah. but but oftentimes you have. Um, Parts by individual in- instruments don't really amount to much in yeah. and of themselves. You put them all together and you have something, yeah, yeah, you know, much larger. And that could totally be it, actually. And I think, yeah, because yeah. I didn't have like a lead musician per se, yeah, mm. yeah. Well, and, and you know, symphonies do have like movements in them, so it may not just be, yeah, there we go, an orchestra moving in the dark, but it could right. be the movements of the orchestra that. Occur in the dark. I don't right, know. Right, right, right. Well, they'd be tripping over each other and what dropping they, cellos right, exactly, and stuff. Right. And they couldn't make yeah. over chairs. <laughs> couldn't read the sheet music. There yeah. you go. Yeah. You got to have that stuff memorized. Go le- your left. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> poked me with a. <laughs> when, when they came through last, it was really weird. I saw them at the Bluebird when they came before that. Yeah. But I want to say two or three years ago, they came through with a, a band I don't like. But that band, all. For when they played Red Rocks, I brought in like pretty cool other artists or what good artists. Yeah. But that's a 
I'm trying. I've excised them from my mind. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, it's bare naked ladies. I'm not a fan. Um, there you go. But they would bring in like their influences I, to open for them. Canada. I don't think yeah. that's a uh, <laughs> an unpopular opinion. Oh no, controversial. <laughs> yeah. like, there's people I know that like stuff that I hate, but they like it for their own personal reasons, and I don't want to be like, oh, you're yeah. Well, well, you right, know, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. music is subjective, but like yeah. people should be able to listen to what they want. Yeah, so. I mean, like I personally don't care, I, but I did. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. One year they brought like Violent Femmes and Colin Hay from Men at Work to play. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And that's great. Like yeah. Violent and, Femmes. And if, yeah, still we could leave now. early and miss the detail. <laughs> and that's what I did, actually. I, I was like, Colin Hay, right on, you know. And I then like Violent Femmes, fantastic, still yeah. even now. And uh, one, one year it was like uh, OMD and somebody else really good, I forget who. Like, I was like, shouldn't <laughs> OMD be the headliner <laughs> over Bare Naked Ladies? But no. No. Oh. One thing I want to say about this is that it it reminds me I'm a you know, big fan of uh, anything that he plays on or has produced or has been involved in. But the music of Bill Laswell has a kind of similar quality to this oh, yeah. this album, where it, it's seemingly kind of, like there's this fellow Cootie record that I like that Laswell produced and actually pretty much re-recorded the whole <laughs> fucking thing. Which one was that? It's the Army Army variation or whatever uh, that one. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it, like I think Cootie was dead. He might have done it. Like, but anyways, and but and the lineup's crazy. It's Bernie Worrell and, and yeah. Sly and Robbie are on it. But you start, you put it on, and it's it's like all this cheesy synth sound stuff. We're just like, oh come on, this is dorky. It's not even that like amped up or anything. And then like the you know you're a couple minutes in, and you're like, oh this is badass. It's just kind of down tempo. It's it's very not angry, but it's it, you know it's very serious. It has a hard edge to it while sounding cheesy. To a casual with a you know casual listen, it's this cheese pop thing, and if you want to dig deeper, it has some real weight to it, and and you know a lot of real intensity and and cool texture and stuff like that, and that really you know this album really reminded me a lot of that stuff where hmm. it's just like you know at at first glance it's like oh more '80s synthesizer drum machine crap, you know it's like we've you know. This is this is old enough that all of this stuff is nostalgic as hell again, again, um, and uh, you know. But for how long? Uh, but uh, you know, you get you, you have to work past that a little bit to kind of dig on on what it's really doing, and it, it's neat. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you really like this album, should you listen to the rest of OMD, or is there something else that's Closer to it, that would be more appropriate. Oh, I would say Fad Gadget, absolutely. So, like, yeah. A bunch of their stuff. Because that's like, it was kind of popular, influential. They, yeah. They were like uh, touring with, uh, with uh, Depeche Mode, you know, yeah. pretty regular because they were friends. And they were like the first release on Mute Records, I believe. Wow. Fad Gadget? Yeah. I think, yeah, it was either first or second. It was a Fad Gadget track or a song. Of course, like right after that was, uh, I'm trying to think of that band. Uh, Oh, they only had two songs. Uh, the normal ah. might have been the second one. I'm trying to think of that. Anyway, whatever. Uh, too Google much it. weird, like eighties. There's a music. lot of stuff going on if you dig past the yeah. Tiffany's and Debbie Gibson's and Madonna's out there. Oh yeah, but OMD, I would say like organization and uh, architecture, morality are great. Yeah, and even their first record is pretty good. Yeah. So if you like OMD and you're willing to 
give this a, a fair shot. You won't be disappointed, but no, it may a lot to like. It may take a couple of listens and too. I would say Human League too. Human League, the I first see that. three Human League records, yeah. maybe the first four. Yeah, I like most of the stuff they put out, but those first three or four records are great. And That's Dare is like a you know like a groundbreaking record in general. Yeah, like you fire the most of the band is gone. And you get two singers and like one other person who is still in the band. And sometimes that works out, and sometimes you get squeezed by Velvet Underground. Oh my God! Or cut the crap by uh, the Clash. Oh yeah, there's another another one that's not good. It's it's better than squeeze. (laughs) Oh oh, yeah, yeah. Oh my God! (laughs) I haven't had to think about that. Stay tuned. It's a low bar. (laughs) Have you done that one yet? Squeeze. Oh yeah, we had Victoria in to do squeeze. She did did that. I forgot she did that. Yeah, that was. (laughs) Sorry, Vicky. (laughs) We we owe you one. (laughs) How did you convince her to do that? Uh, not, that, not, not that you did had to convince her. Or anything. I, I, you know, it was either that or the '90s Monkeys reunion. So, oh man, that's not as bad as that. I don't no, think. no, but I, I think Peter Tork had just died, and she didn't feel like crapping on the Monkeys. Yeah, that day. So and their record isn't that bad. Like I remember hearing it when I was in high school. I was like, "This is the Monkeys." Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna say. It's, oh yeah, but we're not about good or bad. We're about. No. Are you? Does this not belong? Yes. Yeah, right. Exactly. One yeah. of these things is not like, like the others because it definitely sounds like uh, you guys are doing like a soundtrack to like a, a documentary about the monkeys as the monkeys yes yeah like those weird bbc biographies where they don't use any of the music <laughs> of the original bands because they can't afford it i think that's <laughs> most biography like, the, the history of cream these days. With no music yeah, no yeah. With just <laughs> random cream alike bands <laughs> there's probably a, Jack a lucrative a lucrative side project as a sound-alike band. I'm like, oh, you're doing something about Queen. Let's see what we can do that's Queen-ish without getting sued. Run it by legal first. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'll go to KPM and have them like have someone do like a weird cover of it. Yeah, like a ambient weird cover. There you go. It's a whole new subgenre, vaporwave for people with. Oh yeah, <laughs> how do we not mention that? I was this. I was going to say this sounds like you know. Uh, a hardcore vaporwave album. Oh yeah, like way yeah. more, way, <laughs> like, way weirder, but like thrash yeah. vaporwave. <laughs> like you can tell, like va- some vaporwave artists are basically copying this kind of thing, but without necessarily knowing about it. Yeah, because they they listen, they've to, listened like, to the people who listen exactly. to the people who listen to it. it yeah, What's, it's a game of telephone at this point. They're like, dude, this sounds like washed out. No, no, we're we're going for something here. Yeah, washed out probably was influenced by if this. you if you just played this through a really shitty bit crusher uh, <laughs> like plug in, like the worst one you could find, and you would have a, a killer vaporwave album. If that was what you wanted to do, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we don't condone that sort of thing. <laughs> we we uh, here at Detours and Outliers take no responsibility for people who <laughs> professional drivers only. <laughs> Well, um, I guess any final thoughts, any summation on this album? I mean, I had never heard of it before you recommended it. I mean, I, you know, probably heard two or three OMD songs in my entire life before I gave this a listen. And it was, it was interesting. I mean, I, I had no idea this whole little cul-de-sac existed. Oh yeah. Like it, you could probably find it, but I couldn't find it because I had read about it and then went, I got to hear that album. And then it, in 2008, this came out as a as an import of all things, made in oh, Holland. I guess cassette. it says on here. <laughs> and I was blown away because was, I was not expecting it to be basically like a, a noise album with some pop ele- pop songs in it. Yeah, it's kind of 
Echo and the Bunnymen meets, yeah, yeah like the some, Denver Noise Fest. Some weird avant-garde, like, and like, like, because you don't nowadays though. I would say this: like uh, a lot of uh, pop music has co-opted elements of noise. Yeah. And underground electronic music, like there's a band uh, called Purity Ring, who their production style, and they're like a total underground. Well, they're not super underground now, but they uh, a weird production. Uh, production style in, in electronics and so forth. Like I think Beyonce hired them to do some production for her record, Lemonade. Yeah. Well, and they're like weird noise, bizarre pop people too. So that kind of aesthetic, the kind I feel like was not completely pioneered on this. Cause like, you know, psychic TV was a thing, right? Yeah. And like, uh, we mentioned fad gadget and so yeah. forth and even the normal or whatever, but, uh, kind of like weaving in their influence, uh, indirectly, into modern music, and you'll hear it. The e, the Eno so of today, even right. though he's still <laughs> around, kind of doing stuff. No, oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, general thumbs up. I I would say this is certainly albums tend to fall on either the boy I wish we hadn't or boy I'm glad we did, and we'll put this on the boy we had. I'm glad we did column. But um, is there anything you want to plug? Anything coming up? This will probably come out on like Tuesday or something. Tuesday? No, I'll plug something that will happen later this year. There you go. Okay, I'm finally putting out my first book. Oh, wow. Um, It's going to be a photographic memoir of my experience in uh, DIY music world. Uh, Mostly Denver, but not 100% Denver. It's going to be mostly photos with some writing and an introduction as to why it matters and like uh, an important person in that community died, so I'm going to put a tribute to uh, Colin Ward in there too. Because he was kind of like a a little brother to everybody in the DIY Denver scene in a way. Not everybody, but like a good chunk of it. Yeah. Certainly for me. And I don't know, I think it's important now because the things that make any like artistic world or any like scene or city unique are are the people who are doing it that aren't necessarily getting a lot of like encouragement commercially. Yeah. And the the um, true underground. underground. Yeah. Yeah. The real culture that's unique to that place. And that's so important. And it yeah, can like, be forgotten if it isn't documented. Exactly. Like, well, never mind. And some of the places I'm going to have in there are way gone. Yeah. I mean, and like uh, some of them are around, but they're Rhino, Rhino doesn't look the same. No. It looks pretty close, but. Of all of them, yeah. Yeah. You know, the neighborhood around it is completely like the vibe totally and everything different. is completely oh, different. It's, it's super weird. Yes. And, like, and it's not just Denver, like all across the country yeah. and the world, like, is, has been gentrified. Not everywhere, obviously, yeah, but. but like I, people, it, I know people who live in Berlin, and they were going to leave because it got gentrified pretty bad. Yeah, it happens it, wherever you go. Yeah, I mean, London, the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Like where there was a time when you could be a poor artist or student or whatever and yeah. do your weird thing, even if nobody ever finds out about it except for you having fun with each other. Yeah, and well, that's what you need a scene for. Is you yeah, know, Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. The Manhattan, three people like, yeah. on stage and the other ten people off stage watching are you know they all know each other's <laughs> names and. You know, next week it'll be three of those ten people, and the others will be on. You know, it's that doesn't an sound part. familiar at all. No, like, and, and that, that's been documented <laughs> yeah. in New York, right? Yeah, and it's been documented a lot of places, but I, I don't know if the un, the modern DIY scene as we know it has been documented in a systematic way. No, and it's it's, it's very easy to become ephemeral and then just 
dissipate and be gone forever because you know once those people are gone who's going to know so exactly and like something important in my opinion happened here and i I happened to be there i had a camera a good camera now and then or after 2005 (laughs) had a pretty okay functional camera yeah like a decent yeah and just being and if it's i'm not like a real photographer but being there and getting the moment of stuff that you know people are like well that happened there oh yeah yeah i I didn't see certain things nobody could be everywhere but you were you saw enough of it that yeah. it's worth, yeah, documenting. I saw a Future Islands there, and then the last time they played here, they played the Fillmore Auditorium. So, yeah. They played Red Rocks with Morrissey like a couple of years ago or something. Well, and even the bands that, you know, didn't go on to right. bigger and better things, they deserve to be... They deserve to be... Remembered and yeah. documented and not right. forgotten. So. Exactly. Like, they're important to me. Like, yeah. those local bands I thought were great and never really made... Made it out of here. There's lots of them. Lot, and exactly. It can be dispiriting sometimes, which is why I think a lot of people give up on the scene after. Yeah, they do, and yeah. and I think they deserve to have some of that. And it's not going to be. I'm writing this one for me because yeah. I usually write about other bands for them. Yeah. Or for a, a, an imagined audience of some kind. Yeah. So it'll be like mostly from my perspective, but um, it's probably going to be 150 to 200 pages long. Okay, and that'll and be most of it photography out. Later this year, sometime. yeah, maybe September, October. Okay, well, definitely that's the plan anyway. Once that's available, we'll put links up on all of our social media because you know, that's oh, yeah, Sounds gonna great. be something we all want to be. And you know, you're in it. Oh, well, that's so buy it anyway. Surprise, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's this I, place I looked called, better back then. Oh, uh, there's a place called Mega House that you played at. at least oh, one yeah, time. I remember. Oh, yeah, that. I remember yeah. playing there. Yeah. Good times. I think he might have played with you or with little little Theodore. I can't remember. Yeah, but, somebody. Uh, yeah, it could have been. Again, was it more people? Who, yeah, the morning yeah, sickness. Yeah, yeah. yeah, more people that will probably be documented or need to be documented. So we uh, are uh, all grateful for that. I'm gonna do a sequel that's underground music. This yeah. this one's just gonna be DIY. There you go. Venues, but and so I didn't put like bars or whatever. Yeah. And there's a there's a whole other scene that never plays DIY venues, but plays the bars and like like yeah. small clubs. Yeah. And. You know. It all deserves Sarah Century. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. She's still out there. She's still doing her thing. She's it's, in yeah. Denver, if, as far as I know. Oh really? She, we she, should yeah. rope her in. And see Maybe, if yeah, we do should. An album. I wonder if she would. I'll see if I can't track her down. She yeah. can be elusive. But, oh yeah, especially now. Yes, yeah. I don't. I, don't I mean, she's busy. Her. I get it. Yeah, now. but yeah. Anyway, I guess that will wrap it up for this week. Do you have anything to plug? I do. I'd like to announce the uh, because we're going to be blowing it up big time soon. The Denver Art Rock Collective All-Star Show what? is going to be on August 17th at Streets Denver, featuring the likes of Little Theodore, Gort vs. Goom, The Inactivist, Cadillacs, The Plastic Rakes. Yep, that's Matt uh, and, you know, Scott. and uh, uh, Frank Bell is going to DJ some weird DJ stuff, and we're going to have some, uh, some guest stars from former and future and present uh, dark bands. Are, are the scabies getting back together? No. Well, you'll have to come and find out. <laughs> yes. You'll never know. You'll never know. Uh, yeah. There may be at least a skivvy or two in that's, attendance. That's right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, please, I, I will continue to uh, hassle any and all listeners to uh, uh, come to this show, which promises to be yeah. lots and lots of fun. So August um, 17th. After that, you can contact Logan again and hear about something else in his life. Yeah. So, so that there you go um do you have anything to plug or? denver art rock collective there you go um i'm glad I, you're still doing that yeah it 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 is what it is yeah <laughs> but, hey we have two of the uh most uh tire tireless archivists of uh denver music scene <laughs> yeah <laughs> present uh <laughs> it's 
it is it is worth noting. Yes, yeah. Yeah, they do have quite a library of uh, live recordings. So it's like, uh, yeah, like Lance yeah. Stack and you are like the Go main to people. DenverArtRock.com. There are tons of recordings you can listen to for free. Yeah, if you want, if you weren't there, you can pretend you were. What if I want to listen to it on Apple Music? Sorry. But this podcast is available on Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and please rate, review, subscribe. We also are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. So please send us a message. You know, let us know what album we should do next. Make fun of our funny accents. I don't know. <laughs> um, I guess that'll do it for this week. Um, tune in next week when we try and figure out who this artist is. <laughs> <laughs>